0: Well, we're continuing with the book that um, Connie introduced to you last week. Thank you, Connie, for doing that for me. Um, uh, Susan Robb's book, uh, Seven Words, and we're trying to follow by tradition uh, because not all of the last words are in all of the Gospels. So tradition puts them in a kind of chronological order for us. So our uh, our next word, if you will, or phrase is what Jesus spoke to the robber. Today, you will be with me in paradise. But before we get to paradise, I think we really do need to spend some more time with Nicodemus. Here's a man who was used to being the one in charge, the one with all the answers, the expert, a leader in his community, And then he encounters this guy, Jesus, and he gets all kinds of confused. His colleagues and his peers believe that Jesus is a dangerous heretic who's causing all kinds of trouble for the status quo. He's causing them political problems with the Roman Empire. He's causing them religious problems with those who have been cast out from the temple He's causing all kinds of trouble for the men in power. He's performing miracles and he's preaching about another kingdom where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That automatically drops them in the hierarchy hierarchy of power, doesn't it? He's talking about this place where the poor and the outcasts will be lifted above the elite and privileged It's getting people riled up and they're asking hard questions that the religious leaders don't want to engage. So they're certainly not going to encourage the questions. But Nicodemus can also see that the miracles Jesus is performing are bringing healing. And the message he offers is one of love. And he knows that these are good things, so they have to come from God. And so they contradict what the message he's getting from his peers and his colleagues that Jesus is this dangerous and, and um, well, really a horrible person claiming to be the son of God. And everything that Nicodemus sees and hears with his own eyes, they don't mesh. He can't reconcile what he's known all of his life with what Jesus is doing and teaching. He can't reconcile what Jesus does and says with the person everyone else says that Jesus is. So Jesus offers him an opportunity to grow. He immediately puts Nicodemus on the defensive and says, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to become a completely different person. But Nicodemus is a good man. He's a fair man. He obeys the laws of the temple. He teaches others to do the same. And he's immediately knocked off his high horse. Jesus explains that being born again is to be born from above. And one of the things we miss by reading this passage in English is that the Greek word for being born again and being born from above, it's the same word. Because in Greek, that word points to both time and direction. Reverend Dr. Weber expounds on it like this. Born again, as if the first time wasn't traumatic enough. (laughs) Again, as if the first time wasn't as full of potential as it needed to be. Again, as if drawing breath like never before, filling the lungs with more than air, breathing in spirit instead, in addition spirit from above, as if you too, as if you were too focused on this life, the one being lived out in front of your eyes, and anything invisible isn't real, anything invisible like love and hope and joy and transformation and possibility isn't what life is about from below. It's not a bad life, just a shallow one. Just a nose to the grindstone and find your meaning in successes and failures each and every day. And not a life in the love of a creator who stands ready to fill you with vision. So Jesus says this to Nicodemus, you have to be born again, born from above. And Nicodemus is like, that doesn't make any sense. And he makes a pretty bad joke. What am I supposed to crawl back into my mother's womb? Right. And Jesus loses his patience with Nicodemus. You came here with spiritual questions, You should expect a spiritual answer. It's not like God has not been speaking these truths throughout history to the matriarchs and the patriarchs of the faith you claim to be an expert about. Weren't you paying attention, Nicodemus? Noah had to go against his own common sense and that of everyone he knew in order to follow God's vision. And God remembered him. Abram had to become a new man with a new name, Abraham, a father of a great nation. And because of his faith, God remembered him. Sarai had to become a new woman with a new name, Sarah, to become the mother of a great nation. And God remembered her. Rachel had to watch her true love marry her older sister first, watch them have son after son after son together, before she finally gave up the idolatry she had inherited from her family. And God remembered her, and she gave birth to Joseph. No, it wasn't Joseph. Was it Joseph? Oh. Okay, forgive the brain fart. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the point is Nicodemus had a lot had a lot to process after that night. So did he change? Did he grow? Well, the next time we hear about Nicodemus in Scripture is when the religious leaders are complaining that the police won't arrest Jesus for preaching about the kingdom of God. Can you imagine going to um, the Augusta Police Department or the Kennebec Sheriff's Office and say, excuse me, can you please arrest Pastor Angela because she's been preaching about the kingdom of God? (laughs) Of course they weren't going to do that. And Nicodemus reminds them, um, excuse me, we have due process. We, in, our, in their book of law, it requires witnesses and evidence to bring someone to trial. But they sneered at Nicodemus, and they accused him of being a secret Jesus follower. Well, that puts a damper on what little courage Nicodemus had and was beginning to show And then we only hear about Nicodemus one more time. He doesn't speak, but it comes after we meet the robbers who were crucified with Jesus. So we're going to turn to them next. So one of the criminals hanging next to Jesus has nothing but words of hate, desperation, let's be honest, misunderstanding, selfishness. This guy he wants to get down from there, if at all possible. And he says, you know, if you're the Messiah, save yourself and save us. Before, right, the, the religious leaders, the, um, the soldiers, they're all making fun of Jesus too. If you're the Messiah, then save yourself. This guy, he makes sure to add in and save us. <laughs> Don't just save yourself, save me too, right? Right? And there were all kinds of people shouting the same thing. Prove it. Save yourself. And it sounds a lot like the temptation we heard Jesus face in the wilderness. If you're hungry, feed yourself. If you're the son of God, prove it. If you want real power, turn your back on God and take it. In Luke's version of the event, event, It reads, And when the devil had finished every test, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. I am willing to bet hanging from a cross was an opportune time for temptation. How tempted must Jesus have been to save himself? He was fully human. And Jesus heard that temptation coming at him from the folks on the ground and from a man hanging beside him. How much would he have wanted to save the person next to him to relieve that anguish and suffering, knowing he could? But in the process, there's at least one person who is forever changed, The other robber, he got it, and he said so. Don't you get it? We deserve the punishment we're getting, but this man has done nothing wrong. And so he becomes the first deathbed disciple when he says, Jesus, remember me. Do, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, it would be really easy to dismiss this confession of faith if Jesus had not shown us the way and responded immediately with love. Truly, I tell you, today, you will be with me in paradise. That's all it took. We must be genuinely careful not to condemn a deathbed confession as only coming from fear, The dying have a view of life and what is to come that we may not have experienced yet. Are you leaning in to hear from this dying person? He has great words of wisdom, though they may be few. Somehow the robber understands that if Jesus is the true Messiah, then he must endure this violent death because anything else would diminish his identity as the peacemaker, the one who stands in solidarity with the least and the lost. Somehow the robber understands that Jesus is king of much more than this world who rejected and derided him and his message of love. Somehow this robber makes the connection that Nicodemus, the expert missed. A change of heart is necessary to see the kingdom, to be part of the kingdom, and that God will remember all those who do. Just like Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Rachel. Just like we learned last week, God refuses to define us by the worst thing we've ever done. God will never write you off. Never. Even if it takes all the way to your very last breath, God will never write you off. Any time is a good time for a change of heart. But the sooner the better. Because then you get to experience more of the joy and the peace and the love that God has to offer in this life. Our robber has a change of heart. And though he lost his life in this world in a violent and horrifying way, he awoke, we trust, we believe, to a new life in paradise with Jesus So what about Nicodemus? Did he ever have a change of heart? Like I said, he shows up in scripture one more time. He shows up in darkness again, but this time it's in the afternoon darkness of a weeping world. Remember when Jesus died, the sun was blotted out. The whole earth cried. Nicodemus gathers up Jesus' body, wraps it in a hundred pounds of spices, and puts it in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Now, was a hundred pounds of spices really necessary? Probably not. Maybe. Was it overkill? Did he go a little overboard? Perhaps. (laughs) Maybe it was... Apology, Spice. (laughs) Maybe he finally understood what he had missed that night in the darkness and wanted to make up for it by bringing so much that he could barely carry it. A penance of spice poured out over a dead body that wasn't going to stay dead. But Nicodemus didn't know that yet. Maybe he finally got the words that many of us have committed to memory, but I left off of our reading from John on purpose so we could remember it together. The words of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Believes. Believes trusts, surrenders, joins completely so that everyone who shares the vision of the kingdom of God can grab hold of the wind, the spirit, even when it blows us out of our comfort zones, when we allow ourselves to continuously be open to change, to growth, to renewal, to new birth and the movement of the Spirit, we trust that God will remember us too, just like Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Rachel, the robber, and millions of others who have walked this journey of faith. How sweet the sound of paradise. Amen.